This morning we're continuing our series, and the series is a season of thanks. So far, we have talked to, this is all numbers, by the way, uh, we have talked about 24-7, how to be thankful 24-7, and that started with the breath in our lungs. So if you've been here for, what, maybe roughly a half hour, you have about, about I don't know, 300 reasons to give thanks, because you've had 300 breaths since you've been here. Uh, if you're pumped up about worship, that might be 400, 450, but you've had some breaths that you didn't even have to think about. That's God's gift. Next one was 10 to 1. We talked about Jesus and 10 lepers last week. Today, we're talking about 10%, and then next week, 100%. I just thought the engineers would appreciate a number sequence once in a while. So there you go. It'll never happen again. <laughs> All right, so today, we're at 10%. I want to start with a, a question. Have you ever been to a restaurant that just went above and beyond? Like, it, it's your favorite place in the whole world. I want to show this picture to you and and ask you, have you ever been in this place where it just feels so awesome, like the food is perfect, the waiter or waitress is so attentive, and like you never have to ask for anything, they're there, they automatically fill your glass, they take your plate away at the right time, they get you the dessert, whatever it is, and the atmosphere is warm and inviting, like you'd want to go back there, even if not to eat, just to hang out, because you feel like this is home. And so you'll tell your friends about this kind of place, right? You'll go and you'll hang out. You'll just enjoy each other. We celebrated my wife's birthday yesterday. My, my uh, two daughters that live in the local area, we went to a place in Sugarland. And most of you know that I have uh, the culinary palate of a, a wild dog. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm just not a sophisticated guy. But I appreciate sophistication when I see it. And I appreciate the ambiance. And this place went above and beyond. So they took good care of us, and it makes me want to go back, even though it's really not my thing. I mean, you know, you throw something in front of me, I'll eat it. That's, that's the extent of it. But this was really special, made special by the people around us as well. And so I want to ask you, what, what is it about this that makes this so good? Maybe it's the food. Maybe it's the drinks. Maybe it's the atmosphere. Maybe it's the interaction with the people around the table. Maybe it's feeling like you're cared for by a waiter or a, or a waitress that's taking care of your every need. I don't know what it is, but it feels good. So my question to us this morning is, how do we take that and bring it here? And when I say here, I don't mean this building. I mean this people called WordServe, so that no matter where we go, we take that with us. We are a sense of peace and warmth and comfort. We give the impression that we care about people. And it's not just an impression because we really do care about people. How do we do that? Well, that's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about this idea of a season of thanks. And we've talked at depth about gratitude and how important gratitude is. But gratitude is what we feel inside for what we've been given. And so I found this super high-tech visual aid drawn on a napkin that I thought you'd appreciate. So gratitude on the left is everything that we get, we feel grateful for, like uh, the breath in my lungs. I have a lovely bride, three daughters, two sons-in-law. Oh, by the way, did I mention about to be three sons-in-law? Yeah, 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 she's engaged. The last Hogan girl is off the market <laughs> and off the payroll. Um, so <laughs> gratitude is everything that we feel coming into us, and it, it gives us a good feeling. It's that warm, fuzzy thing. But how does gratitude get out of us? And this is where this napkin is genius. It's called generosity. 
So everything that we're grateful for, we feel inside. How do we give back? It's called generosity. Now, generosity doesn't have to just be uh, money. Like, yeah, I, I give generously of my money. No, I give generously of my time. I, I give generously of my ear. I will listen. I give generously of needing to come alongside one and just be a, a presence there for that person. That's generosity, and that's what engenders all of that. And so my desire, my prayer for WordServe, and again, not the building, the people called WordServe, my prayer is that we would be a people of generosity, not out of duty, not out of compunction, but because we have so much to be grateful for that we can't contain it all. It's got to get back out, and it gets out through generosity. So this morning, I, I scoured the Bible, and I thought, you know, it, it, examples are always good. If I can give an example of a very generous culture, then maybe we'll see ways that we can do that too. So I, I found it in the book of Exodus of all places. We're going to be crawling around chapters 36, 35, and 34 if you like to play the home game. And I'm just going to, uh, here's the thing about this. This is so broad a topic that I'm going to be skipping around some verses, but there is a solid thread that goes through this. And like I say, if you read something in the Bible, you go, well, how did they get to be such a generous culture? You read in circles. You read a little bit after, you read a little bit before, you read a little bit more after, and a little bit before. And eventually you get the context of how did this culture become so generous. And so here's the start of it. This is Moses in the desert. These people are wandering after years, hundreds of years of slavery, and they are setting down to build the tent of meeting, this tabernacle that they're going to worship God in, where God will dwell among them. And so they go about this uh, building, and here's how it starts. Uh, actually, here's how it finishes. We're going to start with the end. Listen to this. Moses gave an order, and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more. Now, I've been around church a pretty long time in my trips around the sun. I haven't always been a pastor, but I've been around church. And you know the one announcement that I have never heard from church? Stop giving. Please, no more. We can't take it. I've never heard that. So how did this guy pull this off? How do these people do this? Because Moses is basically, if you read the rest of the text there, Moses puts out this call, bring your stuff, and the workers come back to Moses and go, look, we can't take anymore. We have more than enough. In fact, they're getting in our way. We can't do our work because they keep bringing stuff. I want to be pastor of that church. That's what I want to be. I want to, I want to experience that culture of generosity. Now, understand, these people have nothing. They're living in the desert. They're wandering. They've been years and years of slavery. Now, they took some things from Egypt with them. That's a whole different story. But this is all they've got. And so when Moses gives this order, uh, it, it starts with this. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze. So there's a, a couple things I want to point out in these words here. From what you have. You don't need to go and find something else. You don't need to wait and see if your stock option comes through. You don't need to wait and see if your company's going to give you a bonus. These guys in the desert you know, have all these options. What you need to do is look at what you have. I think of that little boy with five loaves and two fish. What could he possibly give a, a crowd of thousands? What could he possibly give Jesus that Jesus didn't need? Well, he gave him five loaves and two fish. And look at what God did with that. It's amazing what can happen. 
from what you have. Offer it to God out of generosity because we're grateful for what we have. And maybe it's just the breath in my lungs. You, you see people up here singing. They're singing with the breath in their lungs that God gave them. And, and they're doing it from generosity because <laughs> the pay is terrible, right? <laughs> they're volunteers. That's what they do because they are generous with what they've been given. And I can look out at WordServe and I can think of a million different examples of how WordServe is generous with what we've been given. We don't have to wait for more. Just look at what we have. Now, here's the other thing. While it says that Moses commanded and the Lord commanded, look at this. Everyone who is willing to bring the Lord an offering. It's not like they're checking off names going, hey, you didn't give. I'm going to send Benny and the boys after you if I have to collect. No. If you're willing, do it. Now, they were so willing that they had to stop. How do you get a culture like that? It, it blows my mind to think what they were going through. Now, the, the other piece that you'll notice here in this is it's not just about the money. And we say this all the time here. It's the time and the talent as well. Look at what it says. All who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. I'm standing on a stage that I could not make. I'm standing on a stage I couldn't decorate. You know what I can do on this stage? I can stand on it. That's about the extent of my skills. But I thank God for people who have skills and can do things like this or make this look so nice or this look so nice. And this is not my skill set. But that's part of the beauty of the community is that we complement each other. And whatever skills you have, you bring those. Just like the, the, the first part, whatever you have, give it to God and watch what God will do with that. It's amazing. It, I never cease to be amazed. All who are skilled... And, and man, does WordServe have some skills. I've seen you guys demolish an entire house and rebuild it. I never thought that was going to happen. I thought we just made a family homeless. But you guys pulled it off. With this, I probably shouldn't say that out loud. But that's what I thought. I remember seeing that, that house come down like, oh, my God, we just created refugees. That's, but yet there was a house, and it all came together because of the skills and the talents and the time that you all poured into that. And we did that four times. What else is out there that, that we could affect? It depends on, on the skills that we bring. So you say, Bill, that, that sounds great. Yeah, I, I would love to be that generous, but man, life is just a little too complicated. Uh, you know, and, and maybe if I saw what the Israelites saw, maybe I would be more grateful because God seemed so present back then. I mean, look at what the Israelites saw. If you think about this, after hundreds of years of slavery, uh, just, just think about this timeline for a second. Look, look at 400 years. I mean, there are generations that never knew freedom, that never knew hope, let alone freedom. And there towards the end, there's this guy called Moses, and he's a prince of Egypt. And you go, ooh, he's one of us. This might be good. But then he disappears. And how long does he disappear for? 40 years. 40 years. Think about what you were doing in 1982. 1982, where were you? What were you doing? That's the last time you saw Moses. And now he's coming back. And you're thinking, okay, great. Moses is coming back. He's educated. He's a prince of Egypt. He's probably bringing an army. Uh, no. Moses is bringing a stick and his brother. This is not a recipe for success in my mind. But here he comes. And he does all these amazing things. They get freed from the most powerful military force on the earth at that time, Egypt. 
they see a series of plagues, like this little thing flying around right there. I don't know what that is, but it's got Godzilla all over it. He, he did a, a series of plagues. They, they get free. They go out into the desert. They're cornered by the most powerful military in the world, and they are slaves. And God delivers through the Red Sea. That's amazing. You can't make this stuff up. They're wandering in the desert. By the way, where was Moses for those 40 years? He was a shepherd learning how to take care of living things where there was no water or food. Well, there's a valuable life skill for someone who's going to deliver Egypt. God knew exactly what he was doing. There was no wasted time here. God has a plan for those who are willing to give. And so they get into the wilderness. They see manna. They see water from a rock. And when they complain about no meat, they even get quail dropping from the sky. I've never had that happen to me. Best I can do is... Drive through Chick-fil-A. That's all I got. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe if I saw what they saw, I would be more grateful and I would be more generous and I would be more giving. But understand this, part of this whole process is that it's not just for a time. It's not just that God did these things and he's done. God is a God of covenant. So, further in the text, you hear this. The Lord is talking back to Moses. He says, I am making a covenant with you. Before all your people, I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. This is a covenant God. And we are sitting here today because of that covenant. The covenant doesn't end at the other end of the Red Sea. The covenant doesn't end from an endless supply of manna. The covenant doesn't end. That's the point. The covenant goes all the way through one Jesus Christ, Savior of the world. Maybe you've heard of him. He's kind of a big deal around here. That covenant assures us power over sin, power over death itself, a, a gateway to eternal life for those who believe. That covenant exists today, and the God of covenant is the same God, the same God who provides, the same God who calls. He's going to do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world the people you live among will see how awesome is the work that the Lord will do. Don't you think we could use a little bit of that today? I mean, as I look around the world, I've never seen a more polarized nation. The, the, the best I can do is back in the Vietnam era when I saw the protests. I was just a little boy. I was alive, but barely. Uh, I, I remember seeing the, the, the angst on the, the TV and, and trying to ask my parents what that was about. And, of course, you know, the world was ending and uh, nothing was ever the same, but we go on. But today I see some of the same things. It tends to run in these cycles of good and bad and good and bad and good and bad. And what's the constant through all of that? It's God's love. The one who is slow to anger and abounding in love. It's God's mission that never changes and a God who never changes. We can be that consistency, word sir. In this era of angst, of polarization, of strife, of bitterness, we have the opportunity to stand strong and be something different for this world. We have the opportunity to be a healing balm into everything that's going on around here. And we don't do it by following public opinion or popular opinion. We do it by standing on the word, which is unchanging. The same word that calls us to a mission that is far greater than anything that we have to offer ourselves to be part of something bigger and watch what he will do. 
So why is this, why, why the generosity? Why so much emphasis on this generosity? Because it's got to get out of us for the world to see. A lot of times people are hesitant to talk about faith or even to invite people to church. And I think the reason is we feel inadequate. Like I didn't go to seminary, so I don't know enough. As I've said before, seminary is highly overrated. But you know enough because you know God. You've seen God work in your life. You don't have to know the theological answer. You just have to be open to what God has for you. He will speak to you through scripture, through prayer, through your life experience. You know enough to talk about God. But more importantly, if you're not comfortable talking and more valuable, because we have a phrase called actions speak louder than words. What if you live a life of generosity? What if you don't say a word at all? But just by the way you live, people can tell there's something different about you. What is that? And now you're open to tell the story. That generosity is what God will use to do wonders that we've never seen. Maybe even provide healing to a divided nation, divided community. You think there are no miracles today? I, I beg to differ. I've seen lives changed. I've seen lives saved. And I don't mean like you know, believing in Christ. I mean like I was contemplating suicide and now I'm not. That kind of change. I've seen marriages healed. I've seen families brought together. Have you? Is that not a miracle? I've seen healing where healing should never happen. I've seen peace where there is no reason for peace. And yet, it's a peace that passes understanding. Where does that come from? It comes from this God who is constant, the God who calls us. Generosity is important because this is how the world sees us. I love this quote. It says, your generous gift combined with God's grace is a conduit for people to know Christ. You cannot outgive God. That's how our witness gets out to the world. Not in the words we say necessarily, but in the lives that we live. Actions speak louder than words. So be a conduit. But here's the, the key, and this is the, I think if I had the key in one of these verses that we're talking today, this is the secret coming up right here. Exodus 34, 26. God is telling Israel, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Now, we don't talk this way because we're not farmers. We're not agriculture people, most of us. And so what does this mean? Let's pick this apart for just a second. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil. So let me get this straight, God. I live in an arid, dry land. I am scraping to get by. My very existence depends on the things that I can forage and find and hunt. And when that crop finally comes up that I've planted, you want me to give the first fruits to you? You want me to sacrifice that? That makes no sense. Not from a physical standpoint, but it makes sense from a spiritual standpoint because what we're saying is, I know that there will be more. I know that you're a God who provides. So I'm going to take the very first thing that I'm dependent on, I'm going to give it right back to you because you will deliver. There will be more. That's faith. And that's a faith tester. It's not easy. But it'll change your world. The first fruits of what we give. Now, notice it doesn't just say bring your first fruits. It says bring the best of your first fruits. So if I got 10 first fruits, uh, you know, I would probably go, ooh, this is a good one. Let's save that one for me. 
That's not what this is saying. This is saying give God the best of the first. I wonder how many times in our lives we actually give God the best of our first. Uh, I'm chief among you here too. I tend to save the best for me. Maybe he gets it, maybe he doesn't. This is a number that uh, is very widely used when it comes to giving. 10%. We should give 10%. Now let me ask you, uh, first of all, if you took a test in school and you scored 10%, what would your grade be? A big fat F, which stands for fine, right? That's what I told my mom. I, I don't know what you say, right? It would be an F, but in God's eyes, 10% is an A. That's all he asks. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I, I will ask this. Of your time, talent, and treasure, how many of us are actually giving God 10%? You don't have to answer that, but I, I do want you to think about it. I want you to pray about it. And this isn't me begging for your money. This is me saying, are we living as God wants us to live? Are we giving our best of our first to God? Because he can do wonders with it. He, he can do anything. I mean, he can take whatever, a piece of toast, and make a banquet out of it. But why would we scrimp on the one who's given us so much? That's true generosity. This 10% thing is an interesting thing. The, the first question is to ask, am I, am I giving 10%? But here's the harder question. And, and as I look out at the, the people of WordServe, I know that you give a lot. Money, time, talent. I, I know that you are people of faith. And so I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I am going to challenge us. And here's the harder question. If you're given 10%, are you giving your last 10% or your first 10%? There's a difference. Budgeters, finance people will tell you when it comes time to pay bills, you pay your savings first, and then you pay your bills. Otherwise, you'll never have savings. But you know what I, I find when it comes to God? is that God is always the last 10%, and, and it'll be 10% if there's 10% left. I'll give God 8%, because that's all I've got left. I am so frazzled from this life that I lead. My schedule is so crazy that all I've got left is 8%, so that's what I'll give God. What if I gave God the first 10%, and I gave the world that last 8%? Whose kingdom will be built? This is our challenge, and I'm going to be challenging us more as we come to 2023 to be thinking about ways that we can give the best and the first, to give the first 10% and what God can do with that. It's just 10%, but it's got to be the best and the first. And so I'm going to ask some really hard questions. And again, I know, WordSurf, I know your hearts. I know your people who work hard, and some of you give like 99.9%. I don't want you to take this wrong, but it needs to be said, and, and I want to challenge you on this. So here are some really hard questions you can contemplate over this Thanksgiving season, because I don't know if you've put this together yet, but thanks is not thanksgiving. It's thanksgiving. So when we give, am I giving my first and best? That's a great question to ask every day, because if not, we probably need to realign our priorities. Have I responded to any calls to action within my church body that would require putting something in my life second? Ouch. I'm not asking for you to answer this or, or say, you know, that's me, that's me. No. I want you to take this to heart. I want you to contemplate on this. I want you to take it before God. Do I tithe up front or do I wait and see what's left? 
Have I ever told any other organization I can't be there for them because of church? I long for the day. I'm gonna, in fact, I'm going to start a campaign in 2023. It's going to be called The Day the Church Said No. I wonder what it would be like. And I know I'm dreaming. I know this is way out there. But what if a band of parents got together and said, you know what? We're not doing that tournament on Sunday because we have church. And if you want your tournament, let's do it on some other day because Sunday is set apart. What would that look like? I'm sorry, I'm not going to your thing because church is more important to me. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be here every time the doors are open. But I'm saying, what if that our attitude was such that church actually took priority? What if church was our first fruit? And I don't mean this place. I mean this body. I mean our willingness to sacrificially give what has been given to us. To live in a culture of generosity. What would that look like? Have I ever volunteered a talent or time without being asked? Again, I'm not looking for a show of hands, but I am asking to contemplate. These are hard questions. And at this particular time in our existence as Word Serve Church, this is time where we set the budget. And so we've had many spreadsheets back and forth. We've had some meetings. In fact, we're having another meeting right after this. The lead team is going to meet and talk about our budget. And the question that I got asked was, do we want a budget to what we're taking in? Or do we want a budget to what ministry we would like to do? Yes, what I answered. I want a budget to what God is calling us to do. I don't want to limit ourselves in this small pool of, oh, this is what we've got, so this is what we'll spend. Neither do I want to be foolish or, or silly with money. We're not going to spend you know, ourselves into incredible debt. But I have a feeling that if we really look at the 10% that we've got in time, talent, and treasure, and we gave that first, and we gave that best, you would be amazed at the wonders that God can do through a people called WordServe. And so that's today's challenge. Will you give that 10% of your time, of your talent, of your treasure? Will you step forward and say, I want to serve. Where can I plug in? Will you say to that other organization, sorry, can't make it, got church, got youth, got community group. And oh, by the way, uh, since nobody else is doing that, you want to come to the community group with me? Boy, wouldn't that be just a total change in operations in our way of our thinking? These are great questions. But here's what it's all about. It's not for WordServe's glory. It's not so that we can make budget. It's so that we can build a kingdom. The time, talent, and treasure that comes together when we give God our best, our first 10%, our best, is amazing. And we can either have this type of warm restaurant type affair, or we can give them our last 10% or less, you know, depending on what we got left. And so when you walk in expecting a wonderful meal and ambiance, here's what you get. I got some leftovers. It's got a bite out of it. <laughs> This is all I've got because this is all I have left. Welcome. I want you to feel totally at home here. Enjoy. Is that what God would call us to? No, God would call us to a heavenly banquet. That only comes from our best and our first. And so the question for us today, word serve, is will you give the best and the first to God? Will you pray with me, please? God, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, 
speaking of the best and the first. You gave unhesitatingly of your only son to a people who may or may not even accept him. God, I can't fathom that kind of love. I can't imagine pouring out such a valuable gift on someone who is clearly in the wrong and may or may not even change. And yet you did. You have given us your first and your best. You continue to bless us in ways that if we stop and think for just a minute, we probably couldn't even count. God, I know that life is not easy and life can be disappointing. The world will tell us things that will be designed to drag us down. The world will tell us things that will make us divide our time, to give our hearts elsewhere, to give our best and first to something else that is temporary. Maybe it's to build our status. Maybe it's to build our popularity. Maybe it's because we just are trying to fit in and survive. Maybe it's because we don't know any better. But God, this morning, burn through all of that. Remind us who you are. Not a God who demands, not a God who lays a heavy burden on us, but invites us, those who are willing to give with what we have, those who are skilled to give the skills that they have, to give our best, to give our first, as you first gave to us. God, help us to be a people of generosity. Help us to be the conduit for the world who needs to see. We pray this in Jesus' name.